Did you know in the United States, women do an average of four and a half hours of unpaid labor or domestic labor a day compared with 2.8 hours for men? According to several studies across the globe, the more of this labor that women do, the worse their mental health is. It's statistics like this that drive my why behind the Amplify Her Networking Group. I started the Amplify Her Networking Group so women could come together in community to talk about their careers and how they're making money and support each other in reaching their goals. In just three short months, I have been blown away by how women show up for each other when they don't even know one another. Women come to these meetings to talk about how to balance their careers and their lives, how to negotiate their salaries at work, how to make career jumps, and along the way, everyone is supporting them and cheering them on. It's truly gorgeous. And every single time we have a meeting, I just can't wait to connect with everyone on the call. Our next meeting is on Monday, May 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I would love for you to be there. Everyone's first meeting is free. You can head to www.amplifyhermedia.com backslash networking to sign up for your first meeting. I can't wait to see you on May 1st. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and the Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Man, oh man, I am so happy to be back this week. Last week, I took a week off, a much needed week off from the show. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know it's my busiest time of the year, and so I just needed a week to focus on my full-time role and really get things in order before I could hop back on the mic with a brand new interview for you all. I am so excited for you guys to hear this this interview. I know I say that every show. I'm sure people are like, Christina, you're always excited. But listen, this work, this show makes me the most excited. And today's guests are no exception. So I got to chat with Abigail and Emily, um, who are the co-founders behind Boss Project. They call themselves the Business Fairy Godmothers. And honestly... They're right. <laughs> Emily and Abigail um, have been in business together since 2015, and they are serving their clients around marketing and branding, and they're really helping service-based business owners um, reignite their offers and create systems for client experiences. We talk all about how they got started. Abigail and Emily really built Boss Project out of a desire to help others. And that's what I love. They want to see women and femmes grow and be more financially secure and have financial freedom. But really looking at like, how can we integrate our businesses in a way where we have freedom in all of the other spaces in our lives? They have been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, Marie Claire and Inc. They also have a wonderful podcast called The Strategy Hour. It has 3 million downloads, which is incredible. I highly recommend you go listen to their show, check out their work, work with them. They are phenomenal. And it was just so fun to sit down with them and chat about how they got started, what sort of feelings they had when they started making big money and how they're trying to really, really change people's lives and how they're really trying to help small business owners create simplicity and ease in reaching their goals. They've helped over 10,000 small business owners so far. So um, they're pretty amazing. And it was really cool to sit down with them and chat about their work. So enjoy this interview with Abigail and Emily from Boss Project. And I will link all of their information in the show notes so you can go find them ASAP. Also, don't forget, there is an Amplify Her Networking Group on May 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I would love to see you there. Let's dive into this interview with Abigail and Emily. Abigail and Emily, welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am so thrilled to have you both on the show. Thank you for being here. 
Thank you for having us. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I'm so excited to have you guys here. So you guys have built quite a business and I can't wait to chat with you about all of those things. Um, And I'm curious, you know, about the origin of your story of working together, but Mm -hmm. Even before that, I'm curious about who you are individually mm-hmm. and how you guys met and started Boss Project. Um, so I guess I want to start with you, Abigail. Where sure. are you from? How did you get interested in business? And how how did you come to want to found a business yourself? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I grew up in Kansas City um, while I lived on the outskirts of the metro I technically lived in a rural community and um went to school in the city and so I had this kind of this life that was interesting that it was you know I got a taste of the fast pace and the running around and doing all the things and I had lots of friends who you know were living life a a bit slower so I feel like even from my childhood, I saw that there were options as to how you could approach life and your career. And I grew up in a household where I was definitely encouraged to be a professional. Um, Both my parents were the first, not necessarily the, they were the first generation to, um, complete their degrees. I, I, we had grandparents, that went to school, but I I don't think anyone technically finished. Um, And so ultimately both of my parents became disabled. Um, And so I think there was a desire of theirs to see me walk the path that they feel like they failed on, which was both encouraging, but also kind of problematic, but that's a story for another day. Sure. Um, Ultimately, I was attempting to rebel. I'm not a rebel by nature. Like, I am very much a follow the rules, do the what you're told, like, s- be in society in the way that you're expected. And yet I was frustrated by the idea of going to engineering school or becoming a doctor or pursuing a career in science. And so ultimately, I went to art school um, and got my degree in fine art. And I was inspired by um, the world we live in, you know, the the idea that any object that exists in your home, in the world, at some point was touched by a designer. And um, originally I went to school thinking I would design cereal boxes and other food packaging, Incredible. which ultimately informed some of our early clients being in the food space. Um, but I, I was just interested in the built environment and the world we lived in and that so many people had so many different paths. Ultimately, I took that initial degree, pursued graphic design, worked in-house at a, a corporate environment. I worked in higher education. I worked in startup. I tried agency. I feel like I explored all the different avenues that you could pursue as a designer. Um, And sure, there were definitely more options as I continued to explore, but I was really frustrated early on. I had an ego problem. Okay. I will admit that I thought I knew all the shit and I was really frustrated that I wasn't getting moving up the ranks as quickly as I thought I deserved to be. Um, Mm. And is that true to some extent? Probably. I definitely was young and I was really ambitious and I wanted to explore lots of different things. Um, and I also like to leverage opportunities that are put in front of me. So ultimately I was, uh, laid off and instead of pursuing yet another job, cause I had just been recruited for this position. I had moved to startup. Um, I had been recruited out of a job three months ago, very easily could have gotten my old job back. Like that was definitely an opportunity for me and I could have explored other things, um, but I was like, I think this is the time. I feel like I, I'm early enough in my life and career that like I can leverage this as an opportunity to take bigger risks. And I felt like if I had a kid or if I had like bigger expenses, that that risk would have been harder for me to take the leap later. And right. so I started my business 
um, originally as a marketing and branding boutique. And I was working one-on-one with clients when I met Emily in an online Facebook community. So our business has done a lot of things since then, but that's definitely the background of what inspired me. Um, I think why I ultimately pursued my own career is I wanted to be in charge. It was a control thing and um, control of how I spend my time, the results I provide, et cetera. And like, but I've grown up since then. I've gotten more in touch with my ego and I know what's a bit more reasonable these days, but that was a decade ago. So I'll turn I it spent over. the last eight years helping her check her ego. I it's mean, true. check it out the door. Hilarious, but I feel like a lot of people can relate to this because oh, totally. I think that it sounds like you jumped around in different jobs for a while and you're yeah. trying to figure out like how to do what you want to do and grow in the way that you wanted to grow and ultimately decided to do things on your own. <laughs> and I think this, that, I've held this job longer than anything else I did in my career. I mean, so. I feel like that really does say something. And <laughs> what she I, likes me. I do. I mean, that's great news for you, right? Emily? <laughs> I think that what is so interesting about this is I have related to that so many times. And, you know, I moved around from job to job for a while while I was figuring things out and felt very similarly to you where I was like, I'm doing so much work. Why am I not growing? Why am I not doing the things that I really want to be doing? I want to be in charge. And I feel like with that, there is a sense of responsibility that you did have at work where you were given a lot, most likely, or you were given a ton to do. And you're like, well, what's the result of this? So I think that's completely relatable. And it's wonderful that you can say that and be aware of that you wanted to be in control of things and you wanted to branch out on your own. And I wanted to ask you a follow-up to this is like, when you decided to branch out on your own and like really start to do um, things your way for a period of time, when you first did that, how did that feel? Like, was it scary? Were you confident? Were you all of the above? What was going through your brain? I I am more risk averse now than I was then. I had I had very little fears. I was excited to get out there and do the work and do the things. And I I know Emily can relate to that story. We've always been action takers. We've always been the kind of people that instead of like stewing in a mindset issue are like taking a step forward and moving forward in a big way. And I think Emily has helped me do that more often, um, helped yeah. me be the person to, to go out and try new things. Um, but no, I, w- I was, I was maybe a little really confident, but it, it, but it also helped us go really far, really fast. Like we were, when you gave yourself a 30 day deadline. And so I think that was really helpful. Yeah, Mm. I did. I, I, well, I gave myself 90 days. I said, if, if in the next 90 days, I can't replicate my current level of income, then I'm going to look for a full-time position. And ultimately I did it in 30. So I replaced my corporate salary in 30 days and I was like, okay, we got this. And then, I mean, there was definitely bumps along the road six months down the line, not even, there was a month that I made 75 whole dollars. So don't, I don't want to like, lay it was amazing work. from like 30 days in. <laughs> no, it's it never was been not hard. a perfect journey, but I've never had any problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had already proven to myself that I could do it and that I could yeah. move forward. And so, um, I think having a deadline, cause I mean, ultimately there was still financial responsibility there. I had been the primary earner for our household. And my husband had been laid off for two years prior to me being laid off. And so I needed to make money. Like it was not an option. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Emily, I would love to learn a little bit more about your background and how you decided to, I mean, I for sure want to talk about the 30, the 90 day goals, the 30 day goals, how, all of that, but, um, and how you guys met in a Facebook group, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, but what about you, Emily, what's your background? Where are you from and how did you yeah. choose to branch out on your own? Yeah. So while we definitely ended up in the same spot, um, and definitely had a lot of the similar driving factors, um, life was a little bit different for me. I grew up in, in both Kansas city and Tulsa. My parents were separated. And so I, um, 
from the age of six to 16 would fly every other weekend. Wow. Every other weekend for 10 years um, to see the other parent. Um, and so I, I grew up in, I feel like a really unique way where I didn't have a normal childhood. I didn't have like a core group of friends or activities that I could like do. So I was always off in my own little world and entertaining myself in my own way. I was an only child. Um, I was a creative from very early on. I've always, always enjoyed writing and photography. I was given my first film camera when I was like seven, right before we went on a trip. And I remember I like journaled every single thing that we did in story format on that trip to Florida and then took all of the pictures to like photo essay this version of my life. Um, and I remember I got to make up stories about myself and my family and things every time I was on a plane because I was with strangers and I got to be this kind of new version of myself every time. So I definitely think like that laid the foundation for, you know, uh, supporting my journey of going to art school, doing photography later on, and ultimately like writing a ton here at Boss Project and in, in my personal career as well. Um, but for me, I was the first person on either side of my family to go to college ever. Um, no one knew really like how to take advantage of that and what to do. So I was kind of like this lost kiddo in school of like, I excelled really well in high school and I got to college and hated every single second of it because it was hard for the first time and I, I didn't know what to do. Um, so I kind of just like figured it out. Um, I did decide to switch literally in the orientation office with my mother to switch from journalism to art school, like wow. in that conversation. And she was like, LOL. Okay. Um, but I've always been incredibly lucky to have super supportive parents and a family that literally told me I can do anything from day one and that they want me to try things and fail at things and just like be happy with what I'm putting out into the world. And so I definitely took that and it like built this, I think kind of what Abby was talking about, this false sense of confidence sometimes in the early days when you're overly confident, but you're like really dumb and like you don't have actually the answers or the skills, but you just think that you do. Um, but sometimes you need that. You need that way of thinking yeah. to try scary things that other people wouldn't try. Um, but I graduated college and immediately started my own business. Um, I, I walked away from grad school two weeks before classes started because I didn't want to keep doing that. And ultimately, I had seen people in my family have their own businesses. They were definitely you know, a house cleaning company or a car detailing company or a car repair company, you know, a little bit different industry specific, but I saw them like they were their own boss and they hired their employee, their, their family as their employees and they grew and it was enough for them to like maintain their lifestyle. And I want, I wanted part of that. I had always been around people who were, you know, had flexible schedules and got to just make every decision themselves. And so I just immediately went into that. So I started my photography business right after I graduated college. And that like every small business owner does when they're first trying something, I wasn't charging enough. I didn't know enough about selling or marketing. And I just thought I had to be a better photographer in order to like make this business work. Um, but I started to really learn and obsess about marketing and selling and how that actually impacted your business a lot more than how good you were at whatever it was that you were delivering, which is yeah. a really weird thing to kind of compute with because it's it's literally still true. Um, but I loved it. I loved learning about business. I loved talking about business. I loved trying new things. So that's ultimately what got me in the Facebook group where Abby also was. It was four small business owners. And we were working together in these like Instagram kind of pods that were a thing back then, back in 2014, and somehow got into the same group together and realized that we were not only talking to the same people, but like using the same um, kind of tone and, and way of educating people where we really cared a lot about selling and pricing and the like marketing behind that and the business know-how behind that. Uh, we also realized that we grew up like 30 minutes apart and never knew it, like had never heard of each other, never That's seen wild. each other. Um, she lived in the town that my stepmom grew up in. So I was just like, what is literally happening? And so two weeks after meeting her on the internet, I drove and stayed the weekend with her and just crossed my fingers that she wasn't <laughs> a serial killer. And we just really connected over 
We didn't know what the journey would look like. We didn't necessarily know what we were going to sell, but we knew like the way that we wanted to show up in business and the, the ways that we wanted to do things differently and the spaces that we wanted to create for other weirdos like us who, who maybe didn't have these big connections and like weren't the popular kids and like were these little art school weirdos basically and we decided to kind of dive in with that together and ultimately started selling together decided to go full on in business with a very official email contract just a few short months later and that like laid the foundation for everything that we have now Wow. I think that what's really <laughs> popping out at me is um, that piece around like dumb confidence. Have you ever seen the bell curve about confidence and know-how and experience? And it does start really high. Like you, mm-hmm. you have a lot of confidence, but little knowledge about a subject matter. And as your experience grows, the t- confidence will dip for a while until you kind of get back to this expert level. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to tell you that was happening at the time, but you know, okay. um, perspective is 2020. Of course. Well, I think what I talk about a lot on this show is that point of fear and pushing through it not ignoring it, but pushing through it and then taking the small steps and like really having those tiny, small steps add up to a big picture. And what I love about hearing from both of you is that you both had dumb confidence. Like you were like, yeah, let's take a step and, and do this. We have this goal. We, you know, you guys are obviously very strategic, but to push past any sort of mental blockers or just move forward. I think a lot of people have a hard time with doing that in a way that is really going all in. And I think that's something that should be praised and should be embraced because there, I, I have been very many times a person that gets lost in the strategy that gets lost sure. in the um, mechanics and the small yeah. details. And so I think it's great that you had each other to say, okay, let's send this email contract. Let's just take the next steps. Sure. Yeah. She's well, my I'm, small details person. And yeah. I hope she's like, what could happen if we just do this? Like, no, let's- for sure. <laughs> I definitely think we help juxtapose each other. But now, you know, all these years later, I do think we've developed a framework that we we help train our clients in that that helps the people that tend to be, we call them beers. They they they, they have to be or feel a certain way in order to move into action. Um to inspire more action taking, we talk about having an experimental mindset. And I'd love to have Emily kind of talk about what that actually looks like and how you can put it into practice. Yeah, I would yeah. love that. And for us, it's literally just like, what could happen? Like, what could happen? And it, it's just this commitment to yourself. We actually have our clients take a pledge that they're going to do this. It's the commitment to release perfectionism, to release our addiction to urgency and timelines that don't actually matter. It's releasing our perfectionism in the sense that it has to not only end this certain way, this goal has to absolutely be met or this financial milestone absolutely has to be met or whatever thing you're wanting to unlock. Not only does that have to be true, but we also have this perfectionism in the way that how it has to look on our way to get there. Mm. And it means I have to sell this, or I have to price this, or I have to do this marketing tactic, or I have to go viral, or I have to do whatever, all these shoulds and have tos. If those don't happen, then the end thing isn't going to happen. And so then we just like let ourselves like freeze and not take action. And so we just ask our clients and ourselves and our team to just take messy action, put the, the, thing that you can kind of put a bow on today out into the world, knowing that with receipts, with proof, with action comes data and facts. And how did it feel? And did you like that? And what was the response? And we try to teach or and, and look at everything kind of like a science experiment. What's your theory? What you going to try? What do you think's going to happen? What did happen? How did it feel? What did it do? What did it achieve for you? Did it do what you think it was going to do? What adjustments can be made? 
to then revise it and do it again. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you change into that mindset of focusing on the, what can I revise and how can I do it again? You release this, this um, view that I see a lot of early entrepreneurs have where, where things are either success or failures. And instead yeah. it's just information. It's yeah. just data coming at you yeah. and how you feel is definitely a part of that. But, but ultimately how you feel is one of the pieces that you collect along the way, along with numbers and other information, and you get to assess and move forward. And for us, it's allowed us to remove the business's success from our own personal identities because Mm, early on in business, yeah, yeah. Early on in business, you know, the business doing well, performing well financially. We were good. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely affected us personally. Right. And now, I mean, yeah. In survival mode for sure. Yeah. You know, that's going to happen. And I love what you said about messy action. Mm-hmm. I think that that's my is favorite. So mm-hmm. critical because <laughs> when I first started this podcast and I've talked to so many women about this, I mean, I bought a mic and opened my computer and hunched over an office yes. with my friend. And I was like, please talk to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's just start. And my motto has always been project over progress over perfection. And I love messy action because it's giving yourself permission in a world where everything is very tailored. Everything looks very perfect online to just take a tiny risk and move forward. In your early days of business, how were you guys taking messy action? How did that look for you both as you were progressing in, in starting everything? I mean, it was in every aspect, literally everything we were, we were consistently creating content. We were using our voice. We were writing, we were talking online. We've developed our own podcast very early on the strategy, hour podcast. Um, we were taking messy action with our clients. We were trying different packages, different ways of selling all while also, teaching. So we were consulting, building memberships, trying different models, trying different sales mechanisms. Um, We were launching every freaking two weeks in the early years. And that was the road to burnout, but that's a story for another day. But like, that was exhausting. We were constantly (laughs) trying new things. Like it wasn't a, let's try just developing content for six months. And then see, it was, we were trying new things in every area of our business, operationally, financially, uh, sales tactic wise, marketing, all of it, like everything was new and we were constantly trying new things to just continue to gather information. And the cool part now is not only have we done it for ourselves, but we've had the opportunity to work with tens of thousands of entrepreneurs in our, in our last eight years. And because of that, we have so much information as to what are the things that are working. And we coach and consult our current clients on how do you react in the current economic environment we're in? What are are changes in sales psychology? How are we reacting to changes in technology? Because AI is happening so fast. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many things that are at play. And I think a lot of times, the strategies, quote unquote, that people are teaching are like the thing that happened to work for them 18 months ago. And they're like turning around and attempting to sell it to you. And it's like, bro, like what's working right now is not necessarily what's worked 18 months ago, especially for us. And so part of us staying in tune with that is we still run an agency side of our business. We're working one-on-one with clients so we can stay attuned with how our clients reacting, how our leads going, what's our sales process like. And so in real time, we can be providing insights to our clients on what's working today, what's working right now, and how can we react in this space? Because it could literally change in 30 days. 100%. I mean, and not everyone is going to be the same, learn the same, want to produce the same things. And I think that moving forward and testing the waters in those ways is just brilliant and and gives people permission to build and to grow in different ways. I'm curious. I just remind myself, sorry, real quick. No, go ahead. I just remind myself that like literally no one knows how to do anything that they're doing ever, right? Like you don't, I don't, they don't, no one does, right? 
And I think that's really cool. And I think it's really cool to be open and humble and, and, and vulnerable and authentic to talk about how you're trying something new and you don't know how it's going to go. And here's what you're excited about it. And here's what you're curious about. And here's what you're still confused about, but here's what you're trying and doing that in whatever like amount of public space feels comfortable for you. Like for me, I, I love doing that on my personal Instagram. I will share the good, bad, and ugly behind any new project I'm ever doing ever. And for me as a creative and an artist, it's a lot of projects all of the time, but one of the cool ways that I connect with my audience over there and that we've done here at Boss Project on our own podcast and within our audience is truly being like, we want to do this thing and we're not sure what it's going to look like to get there. And we're going to take you kind of along that journey. And I think sometimes we, we convince ourselves that when we're starting a new business or trying a new offer or maybe leaving corporate to go freelance, to try to start this thing of this expertise that we've been building for decades upon decades, that we have to, before we're ready, before we can share it, before we can talk about it, that we have to be presented in this perfectly expert tailored package all of the time. And I think there's so much missing when we don't allow other people in on that journey of us figuring it out and talking about yeah. how we don't know the things. 100%. I'm curious if, you know, there was a point in your business while you were collecting all this information and taking all this messy action when something really clicked and you narrowed your focus. Um, what did that look like for you? I think the... I wish I could say that that's something we've done exceptionally well, but we're ultimately we're pretty broad. Like we work with, we work with all women in the service space, entrepreneur space. So if you're selling your expertise, your skill set to a in client, then, then you're likely a fit for working with us. Um, but we have clients who are way more specific. Like we have a client who sells websites to psychology groups. Like she only works with Got licensed it. therapists. Wow. We we have people who are in emergency management response and planning for like large scale companies with a previous background in FEMA. And like she is like in it and she that could definitely rad. narrow into like <laughs> yeah. you know she could narrow into only working with water treatment facilities if she wanted to uh, like you could get as specific as you want you know we have clients who've worked exclusively with restaurants in the social media space like i would say in general our clients tend to be more niche than we are oh, yeah. um and i will say because of that i think niche can be incredibly powerful yeah my problem specifically is that I just really love to help people. And so I, every time we've tried to like get a little narrower, I'm always super resistant. And I'm like, that sounds boring. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just resistant to the narrowing of the Mm -hmm. focus. Not that we can't do it. I would say how we help has been narrowed. Um, And so I've always been in tune with you either can talk to a specific audience that's Mm -hmm. super narrow or you can be super narrow in what you're selling. And so, you know, early on, on like the agency side specifically, early on, you can experiment with a wide variety of different sales, um, uh, different packages, different services. Like if your background is in marketing or design, you could sell social media, you could sell... the serum designer, a website or whatever, branding, all of the things you could try all of the things we have since narrowed the focus that our age, the agency set of our business is almost exclusively web design at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we went wide and then we narrowed in what we're doing similar with the coaching and consulting side. We went wide of like, how can we work with you? Trying one-on-one, trying group, trying courses, try, like all of the things. And now I have three very clear offers that make sense. And I tend to do the fitting. So like if I were to talk to a business owner, I could say based on their industry, their expertise and where they're at in business right now, only one of them is really going to be a fit for where they're at. And so in reality, based on the business you run, there may only be two ways you can actively work with us. And so the the focus is an narrowing of the services for yeah. us. 
um, not necessarily the audience, but we have clients who it's the opposite. They may do a wide variety of things, but for a more niche mm-hmm. audience. I feel like we're more niche in like personality and correct motivation. <laughs> it's like how we go about it. Not yeah, necessarily the, the, the vibe has to be right. Yes. <laughs> I I totally get that. And I think that is so great when you're taking messy action, when you're putting yourself out there, when you're trying new things, is you're keeping your voice or you're trying to better understand the people who are going to interact with you as who you are. And I think that goes back to both of you wanting to jump out into something on your own, being yourself and being able to have more control about, you know, what you're saying and putting out there into the world. And mm-hmm. so with your your narrower focus in your services, um, what does that look like for people? I would love to talk about that and, and you know, what, how you're helping people. Yeah. Um, well, I'll kind of give you the overview and, and Abby's our, our sales lady. So she'll probably want to come in here and add some stuff too, but, um, on, on the services side specifically with web design. Um, so we're talking everything from branding and, and, you know, logo designing and and color palette and building the entire wireframe of your website that's strategically and intentionally designed for service providers to convert more of their prospects into leads period. I care about you getting more discovery calls so that you can do your magic sauce and show up for those people and talk to them and get them fitted into your into your offers that make sense. And so we've kind of like niched down a little bit into our web design of who it's specifically perfect for. I know who I'll say no to way more often than who will say yes to. Um, and great. sometimes you kind of need to start there. On the consulting side, there's really three different ways that you can work with us. Um, and it really depends on your net, your very next primary focus of the goal in your business and kind of where you're at financially. Like we're going to be the first to admit that businesses of different size have different budgets of what you're ready to invest in. And especially as a micro business, I know we keep saying small business in this space, but y'all, we are micro businesses. Like usually it's you and maybe a contractor to, right. to start. Right. And so we're, we're teeny tiny, which means you typically have smaller budgets and every dollar that you're bringing in is, is going into your pocket or the business's pocket. That's it. It's not coming from anywhere else. And so there's a couple of different avenues where we can work kind of in like a 30 day intensive and, and narrow our focus in on your pricing, your messaging or a web audit for you. And so we'll go in and Abby's our number gal. So we'll like do a deep dive into your balance sheet, your P&L, the pricing of your service, what your financial goal is, um, how many people you want to work with, what does your capacity look like? We'll put you through this proprietary calculator that she designed to release out that factual information for you. That's in our strategy intensives. They're incredible. They're super exciting. We narrow focus so you can take quick action, that messy action. We literally present you like a 90-day game plan on what action to take. Um, and those are really exciting. Um, if you want a little bit longer support or a deeper impact of support, we have two different programs that you can work with us in, uh, the incubator or C-suite on demand. This really depends on, do you need offer refinement first? Have you gotten to consistent 15, 20K plus months? And do you feel comfortable creating a model where you know how many leads you need, how many conversations you need to be having, and how you know how many clients you need? to be converting in order to reach that goal. And then can you maintain that type of workload? So if you're like overwhelmed and saying no, that you can't do those things first, then the incubator is perfect for you. If you've got that figured out and you're like, okay, I'm knocking on burnout store. And I know the only thing that's going to help me is to grow a team, but you're like, who the heck do I need to hire? How do I budget for that? I need a forecast for that. What's my organizational chart look like? How do I interview someone? How do I make sure that I have a quality team culture? Then we build all of that with you in C-Suite On Demand. So there's lots of ways that we can work together, but pretty narrow focus, I think. Yeah. And ultimately, all of it is with the focus on how can we make the back end of your business set up to meet your lifestyle demands. Like we build all of this life first. And so our goal is to help you understand what do you need financially? What do you want financially? Um, 
and even what do you want and need outside of those things? Almost all of it ties back to money though. Like you're going to need money to facilitate those things happening. And so how can we understand your personal financial needs and then look at the unique aspects that make you you? How much time do you realistically have? How many weeks a year do you want to be working? Um, do you have any, how long does it take you to deliver your package? Um, what is, what is your working style? Like, are you kind of a flexible person or do you like working in blocks? Like we're taking into account all these unique factors and then helping you strategically price in a way that's going to leverage you to create the sustainability and ultimate financial freedom that you're after. And then once you've mastered some of those things, like Emily is saying, once you start hitting 20, 25 K months, then you may be looking to exit um, not entirely from your business. We're not talking about exit for a sale. We're talking about removing yourself from all of the day-to-day delivery, um, not necessarily all at once, like one thing at a time. Like if you're developing websites, it may be removing yourself from just the copywriting, or it may be removing yourself from just the design or just the customer service or whatever, and designing the path that makes sense for you. And on the agency side, it so much of that was just developed out of a a stark need for our clients. You know, they're so focused on service delivery. Oftentimes they don't have time to focus on some of the things that would help them leverage things to the next step. And one of one of the things we've seen in the market lately is that people, when they reach out to a service provider, they're much further along in the sales process than they were even a few years ago. And so people are 80 to 90% to a yes before they reach out. And if you are lacking upfront information that allows someone to even include you as an option, then people are missing that opportunity entirely. Like they're not even reaching out. They're not even connecting with you. And so we know a website is more critical for growing businesses. It's not necessary for someone making their first sale or even their first 60K. Um, But once they start to have consistent clients, this will absolutely make the sales process so much faster. People will come in more educated, more ready to say yes. And it's really helping people increase their conversions and and book more discovery calls organically. So um, everything's in a response to what's happening to our clients and how can we help them get better results with our mission being focused on how can we help more women and femmes become not only financially stable, but financially free. Yeah. Uh, this is so gorgeous, you guys. I I really love hearing about everything you're offering and you offer currently and and all of the risks that you've taken and the messy action. And I think a lot of um, evolution in business is about more support and having more support and being willing to open up to the opportunity to have a bit more support. I think that can be really challenging for micro businesses because of a budget or smaller businesses because of wanting to do it all and and have that Mm -hmm. control. How have you opened yourselves up for more support and seen results in helping others with more support in their businesses? Well, we grew slow on purpose for a long time. We had friends and peers in the space that, you know, we we were growing definitely fast. And I, I definitely think a lot of people saw us as honestly, probably more financially successful than we were were in reality um, in the early days. Um, But we grew slow because we wanted to build a really freaking rock solid, stable foundation. Many of the businesses that leaped past us don't exist anymore at all. And we have a thriving full-time staff of seven. Um, Our employees are a huge part of our culture and ultimate success and our ability to support clients in a way that Emily and I couldn't sustain. Like at this point, we couldn't sustain 
the customer support that our team provides <laughs> ourselves. It would be impossible. Um, and so I know for us, it was an evolution. Like initially we sought a coach and a consultant before we were really ready to hire. And I think that's why a lot of people reach out to us at that stage because a coach and a consultant, it's an investment for sure. Um, but it can help kind of get you get things buttoned up behind the scenes before you're ready to start hiring. Um, and then people naturally tend to leverage contractors initially and then move on to employees. But there's definitely stages now where like we're helping people who do have employees leverage contractors as a bridge while they're growing their capacity so that they can increase revenue before they're ready to make a hire and, and grow a little bit like not higher before um, ahead of the growth because in a growing economy, people tend to hire ahead of the growth and we're, we're trying to help people do this as financially stable as possible. Um, But for us, it was huge. Like when we transitioned from, from just the two of us and a couple of contractors to a team of employees, we doubled our business in less than six weeks. Um, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I wow. By the way, it, it, like you know how they say, like an overnight success is a long time coming. Like, yeah, that's what it felt like. Like I, I think to a lot of other people, they're like, "Holy shit!" Like, what are these girls doing? And I'm like, "We've been doing this for years. Like, this feels like normal, natural, right? Exciting." Right. Um, but also like it does take more money to operate the business we have today than it did to operate the business we have. Yeah. I'm I mean, how long did you guys wait before you did hire someone full time to come on? Well, we've had a couple of iterations of this. I, I it, t- it took us um oh maybe eighteen months to bring on a, our very first part time contractor. Um, she was around for for a while. We brought on a couple contractors since then. Then we had some contractors who like we definitely treated like employees when we shouldn't have, and they acted like employees when they shouldn't have. And so that taught us definitely the lesson of what is a contractor and what can you expect from them? And what is an employee and what can you expect from them? Yeah. Um, we did hire our very first full-time employee in like what, 2018? Yeah. So maybe like three years into business. Yeah. And I mean, the job was great. Um, it, it ultimately didn't work out when the person decided to leave. We kind of took a step back from, do we want to bring on employees again or do we want to wait? Because it did have an impact on cash flow. And if you don't prepare for that and budget for that, it can be a real rude awakening. So we kind of went back into contractor realm for a while, but it was 2021 mm-hmm. that fall when we kind of went on a hiring spree and were really mm-hmm. intentional about the growth that we were after and and worked on the foundation leading up to it. And that fall, like really hired heavy and, and brought on the team that we have now. It was the most insane 18 months of our entire It business. was wild. I mean, I, that I sounds wild. hiring as many people as we did in that time. Yeah, I would not I recommend. Do again. <laughs> I would yeah. not, everything, not, not everything we've done. I would, I've learned a lot of lessons. <laughs> and so that's why we turn around and teach our clients yeah. Some of the things we messed up on. Um, yeah. I right. will claim our errors in our Yeah. <laughs> you guys Let are like, you get a job on. and you get a job. Exactly. I mean, honestly, well, that's literally how like... it felt. And then I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's so, um, it's so great because again, messy action. I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah that you're not going to learn until you take that action. And um, if you're frozen and you're not taking any action, how are you going to learn and grow in any way? You're going to be living in hypothetical land. And that is not a place where you can actually base any educated decision off of because you're literally just making stuff up. Exactly. I cannot believe how fast this hour has been (laughs) flying by. I say that every episode, but it's because there are great conversations going on. So I would love to chat with you guys about money. 
Um, I'm super open about wanting to empower women and femmes, like you were saying, uh, around being financially free and making more money and being open about how much money they're making. And I'm curious if there was a time in your business where there was, I mean, you just spoke about the six weeks and doubling your business in six weeks, but was there a time before this where money changed for you guys in your business and you could see that change? And um, what did that look like? How did that happen? Well, there's a lot I could say here, but like, um, which which one which story do you want to hear about? Um, <laughs> Give me whatever think, you got. <laughs> so I think I think there's some some things to keep in mind. One, everyone who looks at money is ultimately affected by their their lived experience. And Emily and I didn't grow up with a lot. Like our stories were very different. Um, but like money was not something that was like of a plethora ever for either one of us. And so I do think part of the reason we grew slower is when we hit the point where we could both pay our bills. And for the first time, I I remember when Emily was kind of freaking out that she could buy toilet paper and paper towels on the same target trip. Like I had a panic attack in the target parking lot because I was afraid we were going to go broke. Because we were buying two very expensive line items at the same time, which I have never done in my entire no. life. I was not, we were, that was not, my mom stole toilet paper from her workplace. So like, mm-hmm. this is not whoa, the world I was used to. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. It, it was a big shock. Like I, I remember going from the, oh, like we could technically eat out literally anytime. And like, I don't have to think about when it's happening, but we had to, we had to grow in so many ways. So I I will say, keep in mind, your lived experience defines a lot of things, but business is also not linear. And I think there's this ridiculous expectation that businesses will always be growing Um, year after year after year. And that's just not true. Um, We have had a year of loss before and it hurt and, Ugh, uh, and it, it sucked a lot. And it was like the business made revenue, but we, you know, when you look at the bottom line, that's not what happened. We, mm-hmm. I remember cutting our pay pretty dramatically and like trying to figure out how to dig ourselves out of the hole. And that was a struggle. Um, but I think all along the way I have learned how to better understand what's at play. Like I, I didn't know how to manage money to begin with because I was used so used to not having it. And then I didn't, there was no training on what does it take to budget for a business. And I have learned so much and, and I'm now incredibly passionate about what does a PL actually tell you? And what does your historical sales information inform about your future? And how can you use this to budget and forecast and leverage it for the future? And um, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said here, but ultimately, I think in order to get to the point where you can keep growing past your proverbial ceiling of like, I can't imagine life above this point is you have to be willing to learn new things and mm-hmm. um and decide what is going to excite you <laughs> about this next level otherwise you're going to just kind of tap out at a certain point and there's nothing wrong with that like i'm all for maintaining a business ultimately maintaining a business is much harder than growing one mm-hmm. period end of story end of story um but <sighs> there's no right or wrong place to have your like inflection point. Let's be stable. Let's hang out here. And I just know you constantly have to be working on yourself and be learning new things. And there's a lot about running a business. There is no book on, there is no education on, and I'm working with Emily to try to make more of that information available (laughs) to The women in business, because I I think it's critical to be making sound financial decisions in a way that arms you for the future. Yeah, absolutely. 
especially when there are so many um, people out there who who have mentors or mentorship and and who have that guidance in different ways. It's so great to be able to have so many different resources in this way. Um, thank you both so much for sharing. And, um, you know, I think it's, I can see when we're talking about money, how it's kind of a little mind-blowing at times for you guys to see what you've built and what you've created. Um, As we're wrapping up, I would love to hear from both of you, you know, how, what, what is the thing you're, you're most grateful for when it comes to each other and working with each other? Uh, well, besides the fact that I can just text Abby to do math whenever I want, um, <laughs> so I have to add numbers, that's a pretty great benefit. Um, no, it, it's, it's really funny because, um, uh, typically a lot of people want to have conversations with us about our partnership and, and how that came to be and what does it look like and what do we recommend and, and how do we recommend structuring it, whatever. And, and our answer every single time is, uh, while we are great, we do not recommend a partnership for literally anyone else. Um, we believe that there has been a, a blip in the universe that allowed this to happen and, and to work in the way that it has worked and has continued to work, um, that it is, it is so hard to put into words the the benefit that it brings me, the foundation that it brings me, the immense progress our business and my professional development has had because of this partnership and what we've done for each other. Um, it is a it is a, a freak of nature, quite honestly, that that it happened and that it continues to happen. Um, so. We like to say that we are, we balance each other out. We're the yin to each other's yang. And, and while Abby is my like logical numbers, analytical fact-based person, um, I like to, I like to dream and envision and, and come up with random ideas and, and somehow that meshes perfectly to actually make those things happen. And um, cause I think both perspectives are really necessary in, in growing a business. So whether you get that from your your real life best friend or a peer or a mastermind group or whatever it might be. I, I want, I want you to seek that out and find it, even if it's in a temporary situation. Yeah. I, I think for me, you know, our relationship has been an evolution. I mean, much like you would look at a friendship or a marriage, like, early on like there's this honeymoon phase and you're all excited about each other and you go through challenges and like you face a lot of things together and I will say we've been through ups and downs not necessarily in our relationship but in our life experiences together like we've both been through a lot personally and been there for each other through those challenging times um and you know, while ultimately I think what led to our success has been that we, we started in business first. I, I value our friendship and I really know that part of why we're so successful in doing these things together is because we understand each other on a level that very few other humans on this earth do, um, even without things being said. And so, you know, Emily and I literally can have a meeting where I look at her and she'll be like, I know. And then she'll go do a thing. And people are like, what? And I was like, that was a whole conversation. Like, I don't know how else to explain it to you. Um, But I know because of that chemistry, like we will continue to grow boss project into all of its evolutions into the future. And I'm positive. We will continue to collaborate on many other things in life and in even outside business ventures. Um, so she's in it. <laughs> Whether she wants to be in it. <laughs> um, great business team. And I'm sure you guys are great at charades. Like you can know each other. We've never so really well. been in that environment to try it, but I bet we've This is my probably... suggestion now. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll go win some contests coming Beautiful. up. Beautiful. <laughs> I can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show and sharing your journey and all of your insight into yeah how you've grown and and you know how you're trying to help others. It's really gorgeous to see and thank you for taking the time to chat with me today um and and for coming on the Amplify Her podcast. Thank you for thank having, you for having us. us. Yeah. 
Um, is there anything you guys might want to shout out before we wrap up? Yeah. Um, if you've enjoyed our episode today, I'm positive you would enjoy our podcast as well. So you're welcome to go take a listen over at the Strategy Hour podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us. Subscribe, listen, leave a review. And if any of the um, things that came up about growth or working on a web project together um, came up for you and you're like, ooh, I'd love to explore that further, I'd love to have a personal conversation with you. So you can go to bossproject.com, explore a little bit more about what we do, and you can click book a consult and it'll literally take you to a quick form and an opportunity to book a call with me directly. I'd love to have a personal conversation with you and see how... Um, our team could work with you to help you see continued growth. Um, I'm excited for your futures and I look forward to being a part of your world. Oh, thank you guys so, so much. Um, and if you're listening to this, please never forget that your voice matters and your story matters. And I will see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. Bye everyone. I am so grateful that you've listened to this episode of the Amplify Her podcast. If you're listening to this and you don't follow the show, one thing that would help the show tremendously is if you open that Apple app, if you're listening to it on Apple, click on the title of the show and on the top right hand corner, click that plus sign so you don't miss an episode. Not only does it help me to grow this show, but it helps you to be in the loop when episodes drop every Wednesday and every Friday. If you're listening to this show on Spotify, click on the show title of this episode to take you to the full listing of them and click follow. That way you won't miss a new episode as it comes out. For more information about the Amplify Her podcast, Amplify Her media, and the Amplify Her networking group, head to www.amplifyhermedia.com.